Hey friends, welcome to Anchored In Always. I'm Katie Thornhill, and I've been through the storms of marriage infidelity, drug and alcohol addiction of a loved one, and even loss of a child to cancer. In this podcast, I will share with you how to place healthy boundaries in your relationships, how to recover from past hurts using the principles of Christian recovery, and how to find healing even in the loss of a loved one, so that you can live a life of joy and purpose despite your circumstances. If you're ready to find freedom and victory, then join me on a journey of soul restoration as we anchor into Jesus. So pull your hair back, strap on your boots, and grab your Bible, and let's weather this storm. Hey there, welcome back to Anchored and Always. In today's episode, we will discuss how we all bring a level of brokenness into our marriage, which impacts the intimacy combined with broken trust that can affect the emotional connection as well. So what does the Bible say about intimacy and ways we can rebuild it through open communication, learning each other's love languages, and growing in our relationship with God together? So I know a lot of times this subject can be taboo to discuss in Christian circles, but I believe that can also be part of the problem. When I was growing up, there was a big emphasis on purity, abstaining from sex, staying pure, and so on. But because there wasn't more of a discussion about why, besides that the Bible says to, um, and obviously being flesh and blood, there's a desire for intimacy already built into each of us. So sometimes the church, in an, an attempt to protect young people from the negative impacts of sex outside of God's design and marriage, can cause even more of a curiosity or even an idea that sex is wrong or dirty. Sex is a celebration that God designed to enrich marriage. It is where intimacy and unity are cultivated. However, it is also an area where Satan commonly attacks. So couples must guard it and cultivate it to grow in intimacy together. For me, my curiosity led me to romance novels as a young teen. And although part of me thought as I was reading these detailed stories that this is wrong and dirty, but then there was another part of me that was intrigued and it really allowed the enemy a foothold in my mind. I had these images and fantasies in my head from these books that no future husband could ever fulfill. Combine that with a struggle with my own body image and insecurity, and it set my marriage up for intimacy problems right from the very beginning. I wanted things to be like they were described in the books, but I brought my own insecurities into our marriage and false expectations, and really, so did he. We didn't have healthy conversations about it in the beginning. We just both blamed ourselves and even each other. If only I was thinner or taller and looked more like these women in these novels and was sexy like them, then our sex life would be like the novels. And Josh would feel like he was doing something wrong all the time and blame himself. Then, to top it all off with an affair and major trust issues, it's really a miracle that we are still married today and desire each other even more than we did in the beginning. He was so filled with guilt and shame, and I couldn't connect with him emotionally because the trust was broken, and which that affected how I responded to him physically. And he would take that, my response, as a rejection. So this led to unhealthy coping mechanisms for both of us. He started seeking that affirmation through inappropriate relationships and substance abuse, and I was going back to the fantasies and novels and romance movies, which led to a disconnection in um, the intimacy in our marriage altogether. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, 
but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather to serve one another humbly in love. So we were both so focused on getting what we needed from each other instead of serving each other. So how do you get out of these unhealthy patterns, especially if it's been this way for so many years? Ecclesiastes 9.9 says, Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningful life or meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. God designed marriage and sex not just for procreation, but for our benefit and pleasure. We are called to live life together and enjoy one another. I know our intimacy improved when the trust began to rebuild, and I share more about that in episode 6. But also, as we began addressing some of our own individual struggles, instead of blaming each other, and then ultimately when we had a shared vision together, we began to dream and serve together and spend more time just being present. We played games and talked more. We went out to dinner and really just began to get to know each other after years of disconnect. It's so easy to get caught up in the busyness of life, putting even your children or your job and, and, and your hobbies before your spouse. Believing the lie that because you're in the same room watching Netflix or both scrolling or playing games on your phone that you're actually spending time together. So we say in recovery that it, it works if you work it. Change doesn't just happen. You have to do something different. So take the time to rediscover each other. What is your spouse like? What are they passionate about? What makes them smile or excited? Remind yourself of what attracted you to them in the first place. If you've never read the book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, I would highly recommend it. Your spouse may give and receive love differently than you, and unless you can identify that, there may be a disconnect there that is really unnecessary. I know my husband's love languages are physical touch and words of affirmation, and although I've struggled a little bit more to identify mine, I do know that They are words of affirmation as well and quality time. And so when we are able to give love to our spouse in the way that they better receive it, it's more impactful. We all have a need to be desired and it means so much to us when we feel pursued. I know that I've hurt Josh for a long time by treating sex more of a duty or an obligation um, due to my own insecurity, but also because of resentment and unforgiveness. I wasn't pursuing him. And he knew it, and it hurt. And the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So we need to encourage each other, building each other up. Speak highly of your spouse in front of them to other people. Tell them when you're proud or admire something that they've done. We should really be each other's greatest cheerleaders in this life. Lastly, focusing on your relationship with Christ as your number one priority As you both seek Christ, you will grow closer to each other in the process. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added. When I know my husband is seeking Jesus, and not just to please me, that builds trust. I know I don't have to be perfect and fulfill all of his needs to bring him happiness, because his ultimate peace, joy, and fulfillment is found in Jesus, which frees us up to just love and serve each other. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Mark 10, 7-9 The enemy is out to destroy our marriages, y'all. So it's important we place boundaries, which I also talk about in episode 6. 
don't let outside influences come between you and your spouse. This passage is a very common passage about love, and it is read at a lot of weddings, but for a really good reason. It says love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So be willing to forgive and show each other grace. Don't keep a record of wrongs, and instead, remember that you are broken and flawed as well. So address things together and move forward. Learning to like your spouse again. You know, you can actually love someone and not like them. But a thriving marriage happens in a relationship where you actually like being around the other person. We are free to love each other fully because of Jesus. But this takes a lot of work, hard work, and dedication. It won't be based on our feelings. Many times we make permanent life-altering decisions based on temporary feelings and change the course of not only our lives, but our children's lives as well. When we have wronged our spouse, we must be willing to acknowledge it and repent. This means to turn away from the sin and return to our first love. Your marriage will never succeed and thrive if you are actively sinning, especially against your spouse. So how can we rebuild the intimacy in our marriage? Here are some takeaways for you today. Number one, cultivate a friendship. Have fun together. Spend quality time and commit to regular date nights weekly. Number two, pray for your spouse and how you can better serve them. Three, embrace intimacy with your spouse. Seek to bring them pleasure out of a deep love and gratitude. Consider planning a romantic surprise for them. Maybe a massage, a love note, a night in a hotel. Be creative. And number four, seek Jesus individually and together. Only he can fill that void in your heart and soul, freeing you to just love your spouse. Commit to reading maybe a short couple's devotional each night and praying together. Five, consider going to counseling together and or both visiting your local Celebrate Recovery meeting so that you can begin to identify the baggage that you brought into your marriage that might be actually holding you back from a fulfilling and more intimate marriage. So I hope this encourages you today. There is hope. I know that I never thought Josh and I would have the marriage that we have today, and I'm so thankful. Let me pray over you today. Father God, thank you that you love us enough to give us the gift of intimacy in a marriage covenant, that it is a beautiful expression of love and unity. I pray for the person listening today that is struggling to love and serve their spouse and is hurting. I pray that as they begin to seek you first, that you will bless their marriage and they will begin to return to their first love. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey friend, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it and would like to connect and learn more, join our community on Facebook at Anchored In Always. I will put the group link in the show notes. You can also email me at katie at anchoredinalways.com. Lastly, I want to bring this message of hope and healing to as many hurting people as possible. So help me spread the love by sharing this podcast on your social media outlets. Another way you can do this is to take a quick minute and subscribe and leave me a review. Thank you for anchoring in with me today. God bless you as you weather your storms.